Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talk Junkies, where tonight is going to be a fantastic night. Uh, it's <clears throat> a very interesting and exciting day for me. Uh, this is where I started my journey on the path to Talk Junkies. Uh, the Anunnaki, the Anunnaki is what has been uh, just something prevalent in my mind and something I've been very excited about to have a discussion with. And no better person to bring on to talk about this than Dr. David Miano. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, we, we have a, a, a nice community here at Talk Junkies, and just tell, tell everyone about yourself, man. I am an ancient historian. Um, I uh, love, love history and uh, love the ancient stuff the best. And uh, so I, I just uh, I took it in school, got all, went all the way to the, to the end, got my uh, doctorate in uh, history, and uh, I've been teaching history at, at, at the local college. And, uh, and I got a YouTube channel called World of Antiquity, which is all about ancient history. And it's just me kind of gushing over all the, <laughs> all the old, old things that happened a long time ago. What's, what's your favorite period in ancient history? Like, what's your focal point if you had to, like, choose just kind of one area that really interests you? Well, um, my area of focus in my studies was the ancient Near East, you know, um, uh, everything from, uh, you know, Egypt to uh, Mesopotamia. And uh, I, I still love that stuff the best, I think. Um, maybe because I know the most about it. But uh, ever since I've been teaching, after I got out of school, I've become more of a generalist. I want to know, like, what was happening all over the entire world at the same time, right? So the same time that the, you know, the Sumerians or the Babylonians were doing this, what was going on in China, what was going on in America. So because of that, I've just kind of been branching out into uh, all, all areas of ancient history. But my, my first love is for the ancient Near East. Very nice. So when you talk about that, and it, it's very hard to find out, in my opinion, what was going on in the, in the ancient Sumer time. And if you look back to Zachariah Sitchin's work, and he talks about, you know, a, a lot of the clay tablets that he reads, and I don't know how he read those or whatever. But when you go to the focal point of the Anunnaki, in your opinion, are they the first like civilized civilization or what truths are there? Because there's a lot of conspiracy behind the Anunnaki. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the Anunnaki in, in ancient texts, they're not mentioned very much at all. It, it, they were just made popular by Zechariah Sitchin. Um, but, you know, if you talk about like all of the various um, deities that the Sumerians mention in their texts, there's so many other terms they use more. Uh, but for some reason, he, he really was interested in that particular uh, subject, in that particular word, and, uh, and it's become part of the, you know, the, the popular culture. You know? So people have heard of Anunnaki before because of that. Um, but there's so little, actually, that's written about them in the ancient texts. You know? um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy to tell you what we do know, but um, it's not, the, the Anunnaki are not we're not even a big deal to the ancient Sumerians from what we can tell. Although, you know, with ancient history, it's kind of hard to tell because documents do not survive very well and you just got to go with what you've got, you know? What about the evidence that they have? <clears throat> so for instance, like Zachariah, he liked to use the one where they, they had the gold mines in Africa and that kind of supported his theory with them coming to earth and doing that type of thing. Yeah. Um, I do not believe as far as I know, there is no mention of the Anunnaki having gold mines in Africa in Sumerian texts. I think there's more, uh, um, Zechariah Sitchin tried to link things up, <clears throat> excuse me. He tried to link things up of stories of different cultures 
uh, and tried to tie them together, you know? So um, the Anunnaki in Sumerian texts, he might identify with uh, certain Egyptian gods, you know, and then maybe he can start to link it to uh, things in Africa. I think that's, I, I didn't, I mean, I'm not an expert on, on his book because I didn't read it. I just know, I, I know what the mainstream <laughs> views are um, and not as much about Sitchin, but I know the basics, you know, about, um, about some of the things that he has been saying. But yeah, so as far as I know, in no Sumerian text or, or no text at all, are the Anunnaki mentioned at the same time as gold mines in Africa. Uh, could you briefly, just for the viewers out there or the listeners out there who don't know, and myself included, because I've talked to Paul about it a lot, but I haven't really like, just a brief overview of what do Anunnaki, what do, what the Anunnaki are, like okay. where that, where that term comes from, just kind of for people okay. who may have never heard it before. Or even the importance, like yeah. what's, what's the importance? Okay. Like why, why are sure. these guys even talking about this? Okay. Yeah. Um, so Anunnaki is uh, what we call it's from it's an Akkadian word. Akkadian is a language, a Semitic language that was spoken in uh, Mesopotamia, um, and uh, it's not Sumerian. Actually, the Sumerian word for Anunnaki is Anuna, and that would be the older word because Anuna, uh, the Anuna they're called, uh, were originally probably Sumerian, and then the the neighbors, the Akkadian speaking people, called them Anunnaki. So, but. Um, we know Anunnaki because that's the that's the form that that Sitchin was interested in. But Anuna is actually the original word, and that's a Sumerian word that means um, seed of a ruler or royal seed. Seed being you know like offspring, um, something like that. And the first appearance of the word is from um, a hymn, a building hymn. Uh, comes from the twenty second century BCE. So you know, very long time ago, uh, a king by the name of Gudea, he was the king of Lagash, he uh, mentions them in this hymn, and they're referred to in it as gods, having some kind of uh, judicial powers, and, and he's praying to them for protection, okay? So the usual interpretation from, from uh, scholars is that the Anuna, or Anunnaki, are gods, they're a group of gods, and in that particular hymn, they're said to um, decree fate, okay? Um, we think that they may just have been, at that time, a local pantheon, just a group of gods in the area. But over time, you know, as uh, empires form, uh, they do take on the role of a, uh, of a, a wider spread pantheon, maybe even an imperial pantheon. Uh, the, the word Anunnaki, or actually it's Anunnaku, but Anunnaki is another form. Anunnaku is, is in grammar, that's the nominative form. But anyway, that form doesn't appear until um, a few, well, maybe two, 300 years later after that hymn. And then you start to see the, uh, the Akkadian form of it. It doesn't mean that the Anuna form disappeared. They, they still use that when they're writing in Sumerian. But um, the weird thing is the Anunnaki don't appear uh, as um, as they're gods, but they're not in temples, right? There's no there's no temples dedicated to them anywhere that we have found anywhere. They're only in literary texts. Okay, they're not even in uh, administrative documents having to do with temples, right? They they're not in any documents having to do with sacrifices or or rituals performed to the gods. It's just they're in the stories. Uh, but even in the stories, they don't really usually play a prominent role. 
So would the, the book of Enoch be involved in that at all? The book of Enoch doesn't come from Mesopotamia. Uh, and also it's later in, in later history. We're talking about um, many hundreds of years later, the book of Enoch. Um, now, as far as I know, there's, the word does not appear in the book of Enoch. Um, there might be another word in the book of Enoch that, that Sitchin is linking with the Anunnaki. Uh, that's probably the case. I'm trying to remember now. It's been a while since I've opened up the Book of Enoch, but um, but I don't believe that the Anunnaki are even mentioned in it. That's just crazy that you know one person Zachariah can write all these books and just you know and and it's a good thing and it's a bad thing I guess you could say when it comes to historical movements here, but that that it has this much push and people are fascinated by it that there could have been this alien race that came onto Earth and dug you know, these gold mines and they used humans as, as slaves. They found the Neanderthals or they found the cave-like man and then they put their DNA into it and then they made them slaves to put, you know, to dig gold for planet Nibiru or planet X is what, you know, Zachariah had said so that they could save their planet. And it's just, that's crazy. And, and you know, Wait, that it's, it's part of a larger kind of movement in popular culture. It's not just Sitchin, but there's this idea and I don't even think he's the, the first one this idea that someone basically surmised, they're like, what if the myths about gods in ancient stories are actually stories about real beings from other planets, right? It's just a, just a hypothesis, right? Um, maybe it's possible that the gods are not made up, but they're based on actual aliens, right? And he's just playing with that. So he's like looking at ancient texts and looking what they say about gods. And in the ancient texts, they're very explicit. These are gods. But the interpretation is, well, of course, they would think aliens were gods, right? Because they're so strange and powerful. So they thought they were gods. And so it's just basically interpreting myths as if they are history and they're not made up. Now, scholars aren't usually of that opinion. They kind of lean towards, oh, this is mythology. They made it up. You know, they believed in gods, they believed in other forces, you know, and it's not, doesn't have anything to do with real beings. But there is that, you know, that school of thought in popular culture that maybe it's, you know, the God. So that, that way, Sitchin and others like him don't have to just take Sumerian texts. You could look at texts from all countries of, of the world from ancient times and just interpret their mythology as being about aliens. That's, a, that's actually a really interesting way to look at it. And as far as like, I, I, I hate using the word conspiracy theory, but I feel like certain things fit within that. Just it's a good way to describe stuff like that. We talk about a lot of conspiracy stuff on this podcast and I'm compared to Paul. I'm pretty against most of it or not against, but I'm just not as much of a believer in a lot of it. And I will say out of everything, this is one that hits a little closer to home for me because I'm like, I can see the possibility there. Like a lot of them, I'm like, this kind of seems like nonsense, but this one, I'm like, man, just statistically, like looking at it logically, it makes sense there for there to be extraterrestrial life. Like when you look at the numbers, you look at how many galaxies and planets, solar systems, everything. I know that I did that in a weird order, but yeah, you look at yeah. all this stuff that's out there in the universe and we're a speck of a speck of a minute grain of sand. It makes sense for there to be aliens. And who yeah. is to say that they could have not showed up prehistoric man time you know what i mean like i actually like that one it's interesting and you talk about the whole them viewing them as gods because that's what we would do 
that's what we would do uh, as an uneducated, for lack of a better term, an uneducated society. If we were to see these all-powerful beings, I mean, that's where some myth- mythology and gods come from in the first place is little stuff like, oh, we need, a, we need a way to explain how the weather works. So we come up with gods. We come up with this stuff. So I could see if aliens actually did show up, these Anunnaki, the Anunnaka, showing up and doing this, that we would perceive them that way. So that's actually really interesting yeah, to me. Yeah, I've, I've I guess been... the question is, are they, are they, are aliens close enough that they would have found us, you know, mm-hmm. at some point with all the millions and billions of stars out there? Uh, you wonder. I'm and, sorry, I interrupted somebody. Oh, no, you're fine. What I was going to say, the one thing that I always really liked about the ancient alien theory, I remember the first time that I saw ancient aliens on the History Channel. Literally blew my mind. I was like, I remember watching like season one, episode one, like what, like eight or nine years ago, and I was like, oh, man, this yeah. is the craziest stuff I've ever heard of. No, I got super into it, too. It's one of my favorite conspiracy theories to kind of go back to is the ancient alien theory one, especially whenever trying to describe uh, like the missing link what Darwin always was attempting to find is where, like, where did we make that step in evolution mm-hmm. to be really uh, currently where we are? And the ancient alien theory even comes in and kind of fixes that because they'd have the technology to mess with DNA and speed up evolution and stuff like that. So there's all kinds of stuff with the ancient alien theory that I've, I've really enjoyed. It might be my favorite conspiracy theory <laughs> of all time is the ancient alien one. I can't help. I remember an old Star Trek from the original series episode where they meet Apollo on another planet and he's talking about how he visited earth in the past. I don't know if you remember, if you're familiar with that episode, but it's kind of that in the sixties that became started becoming really popular. That idea that, that, uh, you know, the Greek gods or whatever gods were real, you know, um, they were just these powerful people from other planets, but I hear, Oh, and another thing that uh, sometimes you'll see is people trying to explain um, miracles and magic in these stories as being technology, right? So it's not just the people, but like the things that they do. So if it says like, you know, this God is controlling the weather or, you know, uh, you know, making something happen, they'll try to explain it in technological terms, you know, that that's, you know, what, what is actually happening. But what I, what I end up asking myself is if um, aliens did not visit the earth in ancient times, would mythology about gods still have developed? And to me, the answer is yes. And if that's the case, then it could have just developed without aliens in the first place. You know, and mm-hmm. I completely agree with you because one thing about the human mind is we always, even though we don't have the answer, we'll come up with even the vaguest idea of of why something works the way that it is. Why a lot of like, and I, I say it a lot all the time, like science slowly replaces religion over time. Because the more that you actually fundamentally know on a scientific level, kind of starts eliminating those the the smoke and mirrors and just the you know the, the the guessing point on where we came from. So I completely agree with you there too. As far as like gods are just you know man, the fact that the sun rises every day, like in Egyptology, you know, um, and the anthropomorphic. I'm not going to say, say that e- word. E- right? Egyptology, yeah. <laughs> or no, in Egypt, like the like the reason why the sun rises is like raw on the boat, right? that yeah. goes across the sky and that's them trying to explain because they don't have the science to explain why this is happening. So then they, then they come up with this to like make yeah. it work. So, so yeah. And we actually see a, a progression of development um, as gods get more human like in the text. So in the er, you know, earlier stories, they're kind of like the forces of nature or even before they start having writing 
uh, they start thinking of things that way. But even once they start having writing, they're speaking of the sun, you know, and the moon and the stars as gods themselves, you know. And uh, so it's actually the forces of nature that are personified, you know. And then over time, they gradually become more and more human-like in their art and in their stories, you know. Um, the storm god of a country was actually the storm. But then you get to a point like in Greece where Zeus makes storms. He's just a mm -hmm. guy that makes storms, you know. So he becomes more human-like as time goes on. And that you see that happening with a lot of uh, the religions of, of ancient times as time goes forward. So <clears throat> what evidence is there, like, whenever you, when you're uh, researching ancient Sumer or Sumeria and stuff like that, what evidence suggests that they came together and they were able to build this, you know, fairly large society without the help of something, someone like the Anunnaki or the gods? Yeah, uh, it was gradual. A lot of times people um, get confused and they think it like happened like that, you know. But it didn't happen like that. It took a long time. And we actually see the progression of things as they developed. Um, and uh, another thing that people get confused about is um, when people say that civilization began in Mesopotamia and the Sumerians had the first civilization, they're specifically talking about cities, okay, urban society, because there were plenty of societies before then, right? There were lots of settlements of smaller size and so forth, but they weren't yet cities you know, um, so when people say, well, wait a minute, we found all this stuff earlier. We found Gobekli Tepe. We found all this other stuff. Well, yeah, um, but there's no cities yet, you know. So that's what we mean when we say civilization began in Mesopotamia with Sumer. But boy, people were living together uh, long before that. And uh, it just slowly, gradually got bigger and developed, you know. Uh, it wasn't overnight at all. Um, but People don't understand that sometimes. It's it's the closest to the society that we have now because they had written law, like basic surgery, if I if I remember right. Like their infrastructure is actually very similar yeah. to even the infrastructure that we have, like in yeah, America they, today. So that's that's why they make that craft and yeah, um, that comparison. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, the very first empire, um, the Akkadian Empire, it's called, which uh, immediately follows the the Sumerian times, um, is. Um, a lot of the the administration of the empire, like how you run it with governors and things like that, is like this is stuff that's going to be copied in the empires to come. You know, a lot of the groundwork is laid uh, with that first empire. Yeah. So it just naturally happened over time. That, that you know, that's one of the things that people probably don't want to fancy the idea because it's not like a sexy idea. You know. Yeah. They'd rather just go with something like Zachariah Stitchin, and he did a lot of great work. I'm sure he put an immense amount of time into what he was doing, but he's just painting his own picture. You know what I'm, I mean? I don't know. And, but then again, it, it, you go back to what you said. A lot of those documents probably aren't even available anymore, so how do you truly know what happened back in those times? Because a lot of the documents were, you know, how many clay tablets have we not found yet? Oh, yeah. I mean, and um, and they get now, fortunately, um, it's better than Egypt because in Mesopotamia, at least clay tablets survive. But papyrus, which they wrote in, on in Egypt, that doesn't survive very well at all. You know, so we even have fewer documents from Egypt than we do from Mesopotamia. Uh, but that's how ancient history is. It's not like more recent history. If you're studying history from 100 years ago, there's all kinds of documents you can study. You know, there's just tons. Um but with ancient times, it's scarce. You know, you have to just work with what you have. And also, whenever anything like this gets brought up, I also bring up hermeneutics. 
And as far as like the translation of languages, like how much information is actually lost, like in, in your opinion, just through the translation of an ancient oh, language yeah, yeah. trying to, you know, so information is even lost there too. So scarcity yeah. of that and then that. There are many times I'll be reading an English translation of an ancient document and uh, th there are words that are not translated because they don't know what they mean. You know, they just leave the word as is because they're like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah. I've always yeah. found it interesting that, and I'm kind of going to digress a little bit here, but like, I, I'm not big into history. It's never been my thing. We've talked about that before on the podcast. Paul's all about history. I'm kind of more on the technological side and everything that's happening today kind of thing and in the future. Mm -hmm. But as far as like history goes, the fact to me that like, I would never, being someone who's not as interested in it, I would never think of someone having the job of recording history. And it's curious to me that back then, people are thinking of this. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Back, back then, you have historians who are recording what is what is happening for the future. I mean, I know that the, a lot of it is, like, found documents. You know what I mean? But I don't know the yeah. timing there. There had to be a time where people started start recording right stuff. right away, actually. Uh, you might be surprised. Like, um, the, the first actual history book is relatively late it's in ancient times but it's not the sumerians didn't have history books they had they did have stories about the past but they're kind of like it's part of the mythology you know it's all mixed mm -hmm. in with with uh, um with their poetry and things like that so it's very it, you can't really call it history yet it isn't like where you have a historian who's like all right i'm going to tell you what happened in the past um a lot of people think of the um of the work of Herodotus is the first true history book. And that isn't until like the, uh, what, the fifth century BCE. Um, but of course the Bible, um, you could call maybe uh, uh, some of the books of the Bible history. And that's a, maybe a, a couple hundred years before that. But then before that, you, that you do have tales. There are tales, you know, I guess you can call them folk tales, legends, things like that, but not actual someone saying, I'm a historian and I'm going to write a history down. You know, it took a little while. So I know when you talk about like the, the, the very little evidence and then maybe after, you know, we, we, we hit this point, we can move on to what you wanted to talk about, Jesse, um, is what little evidence was there? Because I know when you watch Ancient Aliens and you watch the History Channel, they bring up that one picture of some gods and then it shows the nine planets in the solar system and the sun. I know that's like one of the big ones that they go to. And, I, and I'm actually, I'm curious. I saw Michael Tellinger came out with a book and I just want to see that because he says he has, you know, like 250 different photos of just proof of, uh, of, of the Anunnaki. What little evidence have you seen that suggests that, that, they're even, that they even existed in the first place? Uh, if you don't mind me plugging my channel again. Um, Not at all. On my oh, channel, yeah. I actually have a whole video devoted to this um, called Astronomical Knowledge of the Sumerians. And you're talking about that, that, that seal that has a, a picture of the, uh, that Sitchin said it was the sun with planets around it. Yep. Is that what you mean? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it turns out, at least from my research anyway, um, that um, that's not the solar system, <laughs> that those are actually all stars. And what happened is there are, if you count up the, the, the number of uh, symbols, circles on there, it doesn't equal the number of planets in the solar system. Um, it actually equals the number 12, if you include the center one, the big one. Um, and they, uh, they arranged their stars in groups of 12 uh, for various months. And then one of the stars would be like the main star 
for that time period. And I think that's probably what it's representing. And that's why the one is bigger than all the rest of them. Um, and so, it, and, it, and, and when you think about it, the only way that the Sumerians would know about all the planets in the solar system, all right, in the time, see, here's, here's where it doesn't work out with Sitchin's theory, or at least with the, the general idea of ancient aliens and things like that. They say that the, uh, that the aliens were, uh, were around long before the Sumerians, right? And that the Sumerians are just retaining a memory of it or something like that. It's not like they were supposedly there right when the Sumerians were, uh, were living, when they were making these works of art and these documents. They were from a long time ago. So uh, would the Sumerians have understood what a solar system was? Well, we've got their, their writings. Th that's the thing. When you take a, a, the, the pictures and you separate them from the writings, you're going to get a skewed picture because you're just interpreting them by what you see in the, in the pictures. But they actually write about their cosmology too. They actually tell you, you know, what they think is in the sky, all right? And it is a very primitive, unscientific uh, view of what is up there, okay? They don't know about solar systems and, and planets revolving around suns or anything like that. Uh, and we know that from the actual writings, you know, about it. So they just don't go together, right? How can one thing like that appear in, in, in one of their seals and then all their writings contradict it, you know? Very but Sitchin and people like that uh, just like to look at the pictures. And it makes sense why they'd want to um, track, I mean, every ancient civilization wanted to track the stars in the night sky because you'd be able to, for seasonal tracking, farming, things like that, be yeah. very, very yeah, important. Very practical, a practical reason. Yeah, so yeah. That's, that's the practical reason behind why any ancient civilization did that to begin with. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, I, I don't know if I'm, if I'm disappointing some of your audience who, who want me to like affirm such or something. <laughs> well, no, like it's just, no, no, it's not the sexy idea. Like what Paul said, it's yeah, just no, not the sexy I'm answer, boring. you know, I'm giving you the mundane, <laughs> no. boring answer. And it's like, and oh, it's still man. interesting. Yeah. It's still really interesting. Again, we've never really even hit up this topic on, on our podcast. I'm sure we did early on, you know, in the first year, but we never really yeah, hit I, it hard or had anyone on to talk yeah. about it. So you're not disappointing anyone, man. It's fascinating in my opinion. And yeah. on, I was gonna say, honestly, for me, I prefer the the mundane side of these kind of things, because like they said, it's not as sexy. It's not as interesting, but for me, it's more realistic. And that's my big problem with a lot of these things we do. They're too, they're fun to think about, but they're a little too out there for me to have, to put any actual, like, like weight into Talk into it. Yeah. Yeah. And I can put some weight into this because I'm like, it is a little more grounded and you're, you're admitting like, we don't know. It's not fact. It's, you know what I mean? Like we're trying to find out things. So on, well, the, the bigger one, the argument, um, for like ancient aliens is looking at the architecture, uh, from the time. And even like what Paul was referencing, the picture of the Anunnaki with all that, the fact that it's not even, this still blows my mind looking at it, that it's not carved like into stone. They carved it out of the stone to where it's almost like three-dimensional coming out of it you you know what i mean uh like, yeah it's actually well it isn't stone it's just um it's well it, well it can be stone but it's usually bone uh or um sometimes it's um even ceramic um i don't know if you've ever seen that's what happens is you, you have a seal which is um a cylinder and you get some wet clay and you roll it out on the clay and it makes that image um, so the seal has it indented, but when you roll it out on the clay, it sticks out. Gotcha. That makes sense. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that makes more sense, but just the preciseness 
and like the beautiful art. And I'm like, man, if you were to screw this up even just a little bit, like you'd have to start all over. And all of all of it's like pristine. You know, it's 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 beautiful art um, that comes from that time period. And that's oh, another yeah. thing. I'm just like in them lining up. And I guess the bigger structures is the one that everybody's curious about. Like even coming back to like Egypt, like how the pyramids got built. Like how did you move these megalithic stones? You know, yeah. I didn't know if you had an answer to that. That kind of you know. Well, the the, the fact is. Um... You know, there's theories about how it was done, but when they when you take away all the construction materials that you use it, when you're all done, it's not there anymore to find. You know, so we can only make educated guesses. And then, you know, the ancient aliens people get, uh, use that against mainstream archaeologists and say, "Well, you can't explain it, therefore we're right." You know, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we can't explain everything. Um, but in order to assume, you know, that it was made by aliens or a, a previous you know atlantean civilization or something like that we have to first establish the existence of such a civilization uh then we can maybe attribute it to that but we haven't done that yet you know um and the laws of physics uh, say that it is possible with the materials and tools that the egyptians had at their disposal for them to have built the pyramids um and they themselves uh refer to it so you know, we know they did it. It's just uh, we don't always know how. That's actually I, I like hearing that because I feel like a lot of people that either a that we have on the show or b just in general conversation, I hear a lot of what you just said about like, oh well, we can't prove how it was done. We don't have the tools; they don't exist, so it must have been aliens. And I'm like, yeah, that's interesting. But I'd also like to think that just because we can't prove what was done and we don't have the tools back then doesn't mean it wasn't possible that human yeah. ingenuity wasn't a thing and it took a long time, a lot of labor hours, a lot of man hours, a lot of people and some ingenuity of figuring out how to move stuff, how to make basic cranes and rolls and all this different stuff to move stuff around that it's possible without any outside interference. But I, it's I, amazing what can be done if you put your mind to it, you know. Uh, we get we're we're lazy now because we have all these um, you know, special tools that we can use. But in the old days, you know, you have to think your way through it. Like, how are we going to move this? You know, and you can figure out ways to do it. Don't you think it's interesting, though, that, I mean, we were fed for such a long time, the narrative or, or, or how or what you're explaining, how the pyramids were built. And if we were to take mainstream's way of what you learn in high school, how the pyramids were built, like that's what everyone's taught. So is it is it not a good thing that people would go against that and try and figure out maybe if there oh, was? Yeah. I, I'm, I think questioning is, is a great idea. I, I think that's always good. I don't think we should get set in our ways, you know, um, a lot. Of, this is another thing that scholars get accused of is like, oh, you're just towing the line. They tell you what to teach and then you just regurgitate what they say. That's not true. We're I, at least not when I went to school, I was taught, you know, come up with your own ideas, come up with your own theories, question other scholars, you know, um, you're, you're not a good scholar unless you can come up with something original, you know, and so I was always encouraged to um, think outside the box. Very nice. Yeah, I definitely feel like at least during my I'm, I'm 30 years old and I feel like I can't speak on so much as far as college. I was only in college for a couple of years and I didn't, you know, obviously didn't go for doctorates or anything like that. But as far as high school goes these days, there's like none of that. There's none of that. Think outside the box stuff. It is very much cut it's and like dry a on a high school it, level. Yeah. 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 Um, I think it does change for the better when you get into college. Do you think another reason going uh, going back to the building and like architecture of ancient times, um, if, if this has any weight to it whatsoever, l let me know. 
is almost their building techniques, if they had it, did they was that like sacred knowledge to them that they would almost try to keep secret because it was almost like the sense of their pride and core? Like, look, I was able to make like this Like they didn't pyramid. want the Mesopotamians to know how to build the pyramid. Yeah, so they almost kept it secret? Uh, it's possible. Could be. Could be. Um, yeah, just, just to make it more impressive, like, how'd you do that? Well, <laughs> You know, not going to tell you. Has there been? But there was more. There was a lot of pyramids throughout the world. You know, yeah, they're very built in different ways, though. Yeah, Yeah, you can tell a different structure. But but one thing I was always curious about because I've I've heard like even uh, like Masons, uh, the original founding of the Masons were all about like architectural secrets on how like cathedrals are built Uh and stuff like that. I could be getting that wrong too. I I don't I don't know. Just off the top of my head, I just didn't know if it was almost like so highly regarded that they kept it sacred and, and secret and maybe that's another reason why that information's not available because they well, almost didn't want to write it, it down be, that but way here's, here's the more likely scenario um we have like probably less than one percent of egyptian writings that were, were made in ancient times uh maybe even less than 0.1 percent of their writings um so it could have been written it could have been published we don't know oh, okay. you know most of their stuff's missing and uh, it's sad, but it seems more likely to me that that's the reason why we don't have it is just because it didn't survive. But it is possible they kept it secret. You never know. Is it just, just for stuff. curiosity amongst everybody here, if anybody has the answer to this, is there a time in history when architectural designs and building processes has been kept secret? Like, have we ever, has there been a thing where it was like ancient Germania or something, they found these hidden texts where they were keeping their way to build these things secret, and then another civilization found them, like, is that even a thing well, that well, that's, happens? that's why I brought up the Masons, because I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure the Masons and uh, that fraternity was basically founded on the keeping of secrets on yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that was so much building secrets, though, uh, like architectural secrets. Okay, I could be wrong. I don't know. I could be That's wrong. That's out of my time period, so I'm not really sure. Um, <laughs> I, don't I don't know of any ancient examples. I mean, there is like you know medieval guilds you hear about where you know you're trained to be an apprentice and all that, and and there are trade secrets that you don't uh, pass on to others. I think, um, but that's all I can think of. So, like, if you if uh, somebody was the first culture that designed um, like the iron sword. They didn't want the enemy getting a hold of the information on how to, you know, smelt iron or, or forge iron to be able to make this weapon that was useful in battle. So the biggest thing would be, like, keeping that secret, you know, from them to be able it to make it. It didn't last very long. Like, um, that may be true. Um, the Hittites, I think, might have been the first to smelt iron. Uh, but they wanted to sell their iron to other countries, which they did. But other countries within, you know, like a century started figuring it out and copying it so the secret got out somehow you know okay no that makes sense i mean it's always gonna you know come out eventually as far as stuff like that that's used so often but no i was just curious because that'd be that'd be my idea like if we just came up with a new invention that gave us the edge on on like the battlefield to be able to you know come over and take over i wouldn't want that information getting into the hands of anybody else i'd want to solely keep that you know in my yeah. civilization, but so, but, but I can't help but think about like nuclear technology. How we're trying really hard, like for certain countries, not to to know it. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. so that's a great example. It's happening right now with you know yeah. just technology in general. But when you look at like the ancient pyramids in in, in Egypt, and then you go to Mexico, and then you go to you know uh, South America, you know all these different places. Uh, based on your research, do do they all correlate around the same time, or is there a, a large gap? Uh, they're all from different times. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
the things things pop up at different times and and other times they they fall you know so like uh, when people try to link them all, like look at all the pyramids or whatever, they're all from different time periods. You know, they're but not from the same time. Isn't it? I mean, so maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but isn't it weird that that's the style of construction that they used was specifically pyramids? Because I know China is hiding. We've, we've talked about this before, and I still stand by the fact that I think that that's basic uh, geometry of they figure out the most structurally sound thing. Like a triangle is one of the most structurally sound shapes that's why we use it in like bridge construction and that would make sense for a pyramid that you have a base that's bigger and the top that's smaller and i'm kind of like that's speaking out of my sexy idea a little that's not the sexy uh, no, idea. I, I agree with you actually I, I think it's the most basic kind of building you know that's like, it's hard to make a building that just goes straight up you know what i mean it'll fall over so what do you do you make a big bottom and a small top it just is the way you get it to stand so that's my thing is i think that these different not to throw your theory out the window, but that these different civilizations, uh, Paul, whenever they come up at different times, it makes sense for that to be the type of building they would well, build. And there could have been other buildings too. They just didn't last the, you know, they didn't last yeah. the amount of time oh, yeah. to tell yeah. what it was. But the other issue that you have with these, these kind of like massive pyramids and stuff like that is it's not essential to everyday life and protection from the elements is that these are clearly almost like a statement of look at what I can do. Oh yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. So this isn't. This is definitely almost like a flex, you know, for it people is, like. Uh, it's a very human quality, I think. I think humans like to flex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look, look at me. You mean, know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, um, I mean, we'll go off that man, and I think I mean we hit a lot about that right there. But yeah. did you want to go into the Ark of the Covenant? Oh, so basically, what I was like, especially from your background, I, I've always thought throughout the little bit of history that I've researched that the Ark of the Covenant, Ark of the Covenant is as far as actually being, uh, like, documented to be a real item, as opposed to, like, the Holy Grail. I'm not talking about the Holy Grail, because that's probably bullshit. You know, or it is bullshit. Um, but the Ark of the Covenant actually being documented, is that not the biggest historical, like, uh, artifact that there ever is? Or is there something else that you think even uh, trumps, it's a, it's even trumps the, it's that? It's one of the great treasures that everyone wants to find, you know? Um, yeah, I mean... Um, I think as far as its historicity, it probably existed. I, I don't see why not, um, you know, but it was just a chest, you know, of wood. It was made out of wood, um, acacia wood, I think it was. You know, what are the chances that it, it's still around? Probably very slim. Well, wasn't, wasn't the lid like golden, though? Didn't it have the... Uh, it had gold, yeah, it did have... The it seraphs, was overlaid the... with gold. It was overlaid with gold. Definitely. With the seraph um, angels, with the blinded wings, like literally like Indiana Jones. Um, and I don't remember which Indiana Jones that was. That might have been the first one or the first one. one. Raiders of the... Raiders of the Lost Ark. Was yeah. that the first one? Yeah. yeah. I love yeah. those movies. But, but. Yeah. The, I think they had... It was fairly accurate how they how they designed it. Um, although, well, not actually, not exactly, but uh, there were cherubs on it, right? But we've actually found in archaeology what cherubs look like, and they look like sphinxes. So actually, that's probably what it would have been on it. Um, but the um, it is said that God sat on the ark as if it were his throne or something like that. Or it said he's enthroned on the cherubs. So maybe uh, God's sitting on the, um, invisibly, the idea is, he's sitting on the cherubs and maybe using the, the chest as the footstool or something. Um, when it's in the temple, right? When it's in the temple, he's supposed to be invisibly pr present and enthroned upon it. Um but inside, of course, would have been the, the Ten Commandments. Also, a lot of people forget about this. There was also a, uh, a rod uh, that 
the rod of Aaron that supposedly budded flowers and then um, a golden urn full of manna. Yep. Um, but everyone remembers the Ten Commandments being in there. And that, that's the big portion just as far as and I'm, I'm I myself am fairly um, I, I would almost go down the road of like anti-religious, but I still find the Ark of the Covenant fascinating. And the it fact that, like, um, like it was used as a weapon, basically. And it almost has yeah. what seems like nuclear-level properties to it uh, as far as devastation goes. I, I remember that and, scene in Raiders, you know, where <clears throat> they're looking at the, the picture. All know? the spooky, spooky ghosts <laughs> yeah, come out. And it shows, it like, light coming out from it. And, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah they did use it in a military context. They um, At least the stories say that. And uh, they would take it out and, and it would go with them. And then at one time it got captured by the, the Philistines. Um, but yeah, but it isn't mentioned after like Solomon makes the temple and it's put in the temple and then it's not mentioned again. So scholars just assume that it was, uh, it was in the temple until the temple got destroyed by the Babylonians many centuries later. But it is possible that it was looted and taken from the temple earlier. There was a raid by the Egyptians um, in the 10th century uh, BCE. So maybe it happened then. That's, that's where you get the story from Raiders about it being at Tanis because it was believed that uh, Shashank, the Pharaoh, took it to Egypt. So that's one possible story, you know. Um, but it could have gone to Babylon if, if it was the Babylonians who had taken it. Um, no one really knows. I didn't know that it was made out of wood. That, that does kind of bother me a little bit because you're right. Like, wood's not going to survive that period of time. It's covered in it, gold, though, right? See, I mean, that's, that's, what I, that's what I thought. I thought it was like a chest of gold. It, if someone stole it, they would have melted the gold down. They wouldn't have cared, you know? Yeah. And from the... I can't remember, but from the description, I think it's just like gold inlay stuff, right? Like, it's a wooden yeah. chest. Like you said, acacia wood. wood. with gold uh, overlaid uh, on the top, Yeah. Yeah, so um, I could see that just not surviving. Like, if it had nuclear powers, or you know what they if say, it had powers, right. maybe. But I, yeah. but Ethiopia says they have it. Yeah, I saw that. I was just say, is the last is the last recorded is the last recorded history of it though the the Temple of Solomon? Yeah, well, in the in the Book of Kings, yes, but then there is the the books of Chronicles, which were written later, but they mention it one other time, and that's during the reign of King Josiah, who was near the end. Uh, before uh, you know, closer to when the Babylonians uh, invaded, so if that you know if, if King Josiah had it, then it wouldn't have been taken by uh, the the Egyptians. It must have been taken by the Babylonians. Hmm. Yeah, um, and then there's a also there's a a, a legend in uh, in a Jewish book. It, it's not in the Bible. It's it was um, uh, after that, but Second Maccabees talks about. And this is written like a hundred BCE. Says that. Um, the, the Ark was taken uh, to Mount Nebo and put in a cave. And this is out in the desert. It's never been found there, but uh, there's that tradition too. Is there, and I'm kind of going off subject here. This goes back to a question that Jesse asked earlier. You being, because you specialize, you said antiquities and stuff, right? Like ancient antiquities or historical mm -hmm. antiquities and stuff. Is there something that's not mainstream that really interests you? that other people probably your average viewer or us wouldn't know about. So like everybody's heard of the Ark of the Covenant. People have heard of Atlantis. People have heard of the Holy Grail. You know, is there some kind of great artifact that existed at one point that interests you that maybe is not as mainstream that people wouldn't know about? Um, well, uh, that's a good question. Um, I'm not, not any treasure, you know what I mean? Like that's not my kind of thing. I don't like think of like, Oh, I, I this, this, this uh, valuable artifact we, it has to be found. I'm, 
my interest, I'm way more interested in inscriptions. I just love, you know, reading ancient inscriptions and they're not worth any, I mean, they're worth something from knowledge point of view, but they're not worth like, they're not made of gold or, you know, anything like that. So it's a little, it's not as exciting. Um, but if they were to find you know, like, if they were to yeah. find like a tomb of someone you've, you know, researched and researched. Oh, that would be, so that would be really so cool. for you, yeah. the Holy Grail would almost be, uh, what is it? Alexandria's library, right? Like all that, oh, all that yeah. information yeah. lost. Like that, that yeah. might be your, you I would know, love to find grail. an ancient text that we thought was lost, you know, and we found it. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, any of those um, would be super cool. Just, and honest, just information wise. And no, you're probably right. Like the information is probably more important than the intrinsic value of the actual like for physical sure. item. You know, once again, not as sexy, but honestly, yeah, more yeah, important. No, more important. <laughs> more important. Yeah. Like, like if we found that the Ark of the Covenant, I'd be more interested in looking at the see if the tablets were inside. You yeah, know? Sure. yeah. <laughs> mm. You can open it up. I'm going to close my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> So would you say for the most part that uh, maybe mainstream uh, mainstream narrative of how history is is kind of kind of accurate? I think so, but you know, uh, people accuse me of being a shill and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I, I I wish the money was coming in. I don't know where it is. You know, but um, yeah. Uh, you know, the part of the, the one of the reasons why the ancient aliens thing uh, is a, called sometimes called a conspiracy theory is because. A lot of people keep saying like that the academics are hiding stuff, you know, they know, they know the truth, but they're, they, they're trying to, to feed us this false narrative, you know, which that's the conspiracy, right? Um, but I don't know of any, you know, conspiracy in that regard. I haven't been told like, yeah, you're not allowed to talk about this, you know, <laughs> that's, uh, man, that's how I feel about it where, and like once Paul probably disagree with me on this and that's fine. But my big thing is there's some conspiracy theories that have weight to them. And then there's some where I'm like it on a logistics level alone doesn't make sense. Like the amount of people you would need to cover up certain conspiracy theories logistically is impossible or like 99.9% like improbable because they're not taking, you know, they're not taking David right here and being like, yeah, we're going to put a paycheck in your pocket every month. Never talk about this again or else, yeah. God forbid, you know, something might happen to your family. Like, that's just there's too many people out there who know too much yeah. about these different things for that but, to be. So so when it comes to to Egypt, isn't there I know a lot of people uh, they'll call like or sorry, I don't know what I'm trying. I'm losing my train of thought. But like whenever they do find something of significance, um, it's not, you know, the people who find that first you know like they look at it and then they have a, a certain amount of time with that certain tomb or whatever they find until they relay it to the media so those things could be ransacked here in the 21st century and we would never know the true origins of what they found so there still could be some type of conspiracy within those situations where we wouldn't truly know what it is that they found yeah the the, the only um really evidence i've seen for you know uh pocketing something or taking something is for monetary reasons you know they might say like someone might find something and like they, they, they did this in the old days a lot the the um you know back in the 1800s of they you know the, the archaeologists like, like um um heinrich schliemann who excavated troy you know he's putting stuff in his pockets you know and then he's taking it uh because you know uh, he wanted to, well he probably wanted to put it in his house but other people you know try to steal it to sell it you know and so forth and it's a big problem actually in archaeology looting happens a lot but as far as the scholars themselves they've gone through all that work to 
to um, make a name for themselves to, to find and discover things, it would be totally, uh, you know, against everything they wanted to let me to not talk about it. You know what I mean? To mm-hmm. like, you want to, you find something, you want to publish that. You want your name to get out there. Like you found this, you know, um, it, it, it's more likely that they would exaggerate the, the, their discoveries than that they would hide their discoveries. For sure. Very interesting. I'm just, yeah, I never I'm just, thought of it that way. That's a valid point, though. Really like, interesting. But, but, but then again, like you put two and two together and you think like, and again, this just is going to sound sexy, but like when we went into war in Iraq in 2001, like, or in 2002, whatever it is that we went there, like Iraq has a lot of ancient history. And there are there is speculation that during that war, there was a lot of history that was lost and a lot of uh, looting and ransacking that went on by the U.S. government. I don't know how deep that truly goes, but Iraq is where ancient Sumer is, is it not? Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there were there were things that were lost for sure. So wouldn't it make sense that the government would go in there and and, and I guess we went there in Desert Storm too, right? In the ninety earlier Desert Shield, Desert Storm, whichever but one. I, I heard it was. I didn't hear it was. I heard it was like not. Um, it was not a top down decision. It was just like soldiers or you know even people on the other side uh, that would uh, go steal it, you know, and then they could sell it on the black market or something like that. I know Bright Insight Brian. He know. Have you seen his channel? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. I mean, and he used to be in the military and he actually was stationed yeah. in Iraq and there was one video where there was this this amazing temple, a very great I forget what it was called, but it was beautiful and he's like unfortunately like it's just destroyed now, it's gone. You know, yeah. and he he's like this is the last time I'll ever see it was was in this video and it's just like that's like the craziest part is that Iraq has all this beautiful uh, ancient Sumer type tech or uh, archaeology to look at, or you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's yeah. just getting destroyed by by war, yeah. and it just seems to yeah, me uh, to be convenient. You know, That's the, the world. Destroyed a lot of Assyrian stuff, and the Taliban destroyed these gigantic uh, Buddha statues that were ancient. Um, yeah, it's really sad. Um, completely, completely off pace here, but you the antiquities and everything. What do you know about the? This always just interested me. The Baghdad batteries. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. sorry, I'm. I know that's probably real boring, and like they've probably already figured it all out, and I'm just uneducated. But that always interested me. Uh, yeah. The the consensus among um scholars and even scientists is that it's not a battery. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, there are people people who've tried to generate electricity out of something similar to it, and um, it can be done, but it doesn't like it doesn't hold that much of a charge, and the charge doesn't last, so it have it wouldn't have much of a practical use, you know? Oh, so it uh, wasn't if, used as an electric thing. They just... No, it wasn't. Um, it's just a theory that it was used as an electrical thing. Um, and it, it probably wasn't a battery at all, just a um, some kind of a container. But, um, but people have made a lot out of that and said, oh, it's a battery. And they've tried to, you know, to, to use it to get a charge, which had some, I guess, a little bit of success. But it, it just doesn't seem like it would have been practical to have been used it as a battery um, because you get so little charge out of it. I got you. It'd be like us using potatoes today as batteries and yes, stuff. Exactly. Like we don't we don't need to do that. There's it's obviously yeah. has another point. So in the in the book, I, I, I started reading a little bit. I, I honestly only got it a couple of days ago, so I haven't been able to dive into it like I wanted to before the podcast. But I think it's very interesting in the very beginning. You talk about time and and how that's constructed or whatever civilizations pre, uh, pre, are perceive as time. Uh, how many gaps in history do you think there are when it comes to all of the literature and the things that you've read yourself? Could there be pieces of time that are missing within the the said narrative that we're told? Uh, yeah, see, the, the further back in time you go, the more, you know, speculative it is um, and the more off it's going to be. 
So um, I would say back to 1000 BCE, we're pretty solid. But then when you go further back from there, things start getting off. You know, they start going off by five, 10 years. Then as you go further back, 20, 30 years. And then, you know, after a while, when you get into like the, the fourth millennium BCE, then it's off, could be off by two or 300 years, you know. Um, but it's not like there's like a, like a missing section or something like that, that I, that I've seen. It's just been, I, I know that's kind of popular. There's Velikovsky and all that who talk about missing parts of history. Uh, it's more like stretching it or shortening it. That that's kind of like where we are with it. Like it doesn't go, you know, should we stretch this out? Should we push it together? You know, that's more where the, where the uncertainty is, but yeah. I, I, I don't know of any like missing you know, major gaps. So it's not like there's a big gap from like 300 BC to 900 BC where there's just like, we have no clue what happened. Could have been dinosaurs again. Nothing like that. No, no, we have, um, there's a lot of unanswered questions, but Mm -hmm. we have an idea of what was happening in each of those centuries. Gotcha. So, I mean, do you say, do you fancy the idea of like any of Graham Hancock's work, like with cataclysms or anything like that? Uh, not a big fan of Graham Hancock, but he's like the most well-known of, of people who are in alternative history. Um, he, um, I'm not, that's not to say that, uh, like I, as far as the comet impact and all that, I'm, I'm, the jury's still out on that. I'm, I'm open to the idea, but the idea that it destroyed this advanced civilization, that's what I'm skeptical about. Okay. Very, very interesting, man. I love this type of stuff, man. I'm all for it. Because, I mean, I watch so many hours on YouTube, man, but in, in, honestly, I have leaned one way, and that's ma- ma- uh, majority just the conspiracy side. So to just have you on and just kind of discuss the, the type of things that you know, it's just very interesting to me. I like it. It's always well, good to I hear the other side, too. I can do to too. convert you to yeah. the light side. Just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, for me, well, for me, all, all I've ever talked about is nothing is – like you have so many people that everything's a conspiracy theory. And I'm like, well, that's completely ridiculous. And then you have other people who is like, nothing's a conspiracy theory. Everything's exactly how we're told. You know it is. And I'm like, man, the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. probably, you know, like the middle way, you know, idea on that one. But there uh, are people in my profession who don't think it's it's wise to engage with people like Graham Hancock and and, and the like. Uh, and they said, just ignore them. I don't. I'm not one of those people. I, I think that. Um, you know, they have a lot of influence and, uh, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, in, in popular sphere, there's a lot of these ideas going around and I think they should be engaged with. I think they should be, you know, there should be discussion about these things and, and that people have the right to know why we think what we do, you know? Well, and he does a lot of research. He's, you know, he's written a lot of books and stuff like that, but is there not physical evidence that he has? Like, I think he said he was in San Diego and there was some type of construction going on. And when they were digging, they found this body and it, you know, it predated however long, like a hundred thousand years is, I think is what he suggests or 200,000 years, um, is, is like the tools that are using when it comes to carbon dating wrong on those, uh, skeleton bones or. I'm not familiar with that particular story. So I'm, I'd have to go look it up. I got you. I think it was something that he was talking about on the Joe Rogan podcast, but I don't know. You said 200,000 Yeah, 200,000, yeah. He suggests that uh, we go back as far as 100 to 200,000 years. Oh, wow. That's that's quite a I statement. Haven't heard, I haven't heard I of haven't, this at all. Yeah. I have no idea. That's Yeah, that's that's a lot of time. Yeah, that's, I, I, I know that's not in line. Like, uh, I, It is true that we're pushing back the date of human entry into the Americas, but I don't think it goes that far back. But I, you know, I, I don't know. I have to check out the, uh, the scientific evidence on that. 
Do you, uh, have you done any research on the world's fairs at all? Like the 1850s, 1900s at all? No, that's well out of my area of expertise. You yeah. go, you go all strictly old school history. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm anything before like the year 600 okay. <laughs> is what I do. Is, is it because at the very beginning of the podcast, you talked about how you've been, you originally talked about like the Near East and uh, Egypt and stuff like that. But you said you've focused on what's happening all over the world and the same time period kind of thing. It, have yeah, you found any in like ancient times, basically? Yeah. yeah. So in ancient times, is there like, like Paul talked about with the pyramids and stuff earlier, have you found anything interesting of the, that's always, as far as history goes, that's the one part that's been kind of, I've found curious is like, these people over here in this half of the world and these people over here in this half of the world both exist simultaneously. But this is so long ago that like internet and flight and travel and all this wasn't a thing. So they're both existing on the same planet, but independently unaffected yeah, by each other. other. Yeah. yeah. Have you, is there any kind of like, I don't know where I'm leading with this question, but is there anything you've found interesting there between the two? You're talking about like a great awakening, basically, of humanity across Earth that aren't connected and then start doing things at the same time? Yeah, kind of, or just, or even the difference in like, is this side light years ahead? You know, is this one 500 years ahead of how these over here have developed, even though these over here have a higher population or something like that? Just anything interesting well, yeah, like I mean, that, that? Yeah, progress is, is, is different in different parts of the, of the world. Um, although, you know, um, you can say that, you know, these people over here didn't contact these people over here, there were people in between. So, you know, like ideas could tra traverse, like they could go from, you know, um, uh, Africa to Asia, you know, to, to West Asia, to East Asia, uh, to the islands. I mean, it is possible, you know, for things to travel. It's a little harder for it to get to the Americas. I don't, I don't know of any contact uh, with the Americas in, in ancient times. It is, I mean, we know that people did cross, but as far as like constant contact, probably not. Um, and, uh, and that's why we're, we're a little bit more skeptical when people say, oh, there's a link between, you know, something here in South America and something in the Middle East. Uh, probably not, you know. Um, I forget now where I'm going with this. But, what, but <laughs> don't you, weren't land masses different then too, though? So things could have been a little bit different. I thought that was uh, way not, further back. Not in, not in the period of of uh, you know of ancient history. Uh, when you get into well into prehistoric times, yeah. But don't so, talking about like Panacea or whatever and all that. But what about like the underground uh, cities or underground pyramids or, or, or underwater? Sorry, like where they're actually. Oh, oh, I, you're talking about like the rising and falling sea level and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, there's been a lo there's been some of that. Um, yeah, in, in mainly in the Stone Age we're talking about, there's been some of that um, rising and falling. Also, uh, sometimes things get submerged because simply the um, the ground gives way, and then you know, like in Alexandria, it isn't uh, because the water level went up, but the, the city basically, or at least half of it, fell into the ocean. You know, that can happen too. Um, but yeah, there, there there are you know, and in fact, I'm working on a video right now on the submerged city of Dwarka in India, um, and about when when that dates to and things like that. So it's an interesting topic. But um, but yeah, there the the continents haven't moved um, in a long time, but the sea level has gone up and down. Yeah. Well, and people will be able to check you out because you'll be featured on our YouTube channel. So if you know whenever you upload oh, videos, yeah, people will be able to look on you there. Do you? And, and I, I know we're a little bit getting close to the end of the hour here. So I don't know if you guys have any lasting questions, but the one last question that 
kind of goes into my head is do you like look at like ancient maps as well at all? Like um, well, there aren't any. <laughs> um, and you may be surprised because you might say, wait a minute, I, I've seen a map. There's like a Herodotus map and, you know, those aren't real. Um, they, those maps are based on the writings. Okay, so we have ancient documents. We have, we have some geographies that were written by ancient people. And then people today make maps based on the geographies. Uh, but they're not the original maps, you know. I mean, they're still very helpful because they tell you what's in the book, you know. And I forget, you say you go back from 600 and beyond, not like 1500s or 1600s. Maps. Right, right. So there you. are obviously okay. our maps more recent. Um, that's kind of cool. that's kind of interesting, really actually, interesting. that you had really history, you had historians and stuff start developing and doing that. We found these things, but like cartography wasn't a thing. That's actually right. really like curious to me, like why? Well, I, shouldn't, like, I shouldn't say it wasn't a thing because there is mention of of no no I, I you know what i take back what i said there were some maps uh because we found a couple from babylon but they were like um mostly local you know uh there'll be like a local map of uh of, uh, of a couple towns or whatever um they did have some world uh maps but they were more religious in nature than they were accurate you know i mean they weren't really mm-hmm. trying to be accurate they weren't for traveling it was for more for their cosmology and their religious beliefs about the universe than anything else so i don't really call that cartography um and then we have uh, some s- stories about like a greek philosopher who made a, ma- a globe but the globe doesn't exist anymore so we don't know what it looked like you know so they there were there were some things being done um but it wasn't in the sense of modern cartography but there they were uh, oh, and there's an Egyptian. Uh, Egyptians made some um, maps to like um, of the roads and some things like that. Um, this is in the New Kingdom. Uh, so there, there is that. Um, but like the map, to, I, the map I was immediately thinking of that you were probably talking about, like, like world maps and things like that. For sure, yeah. Most of the maps are local maps. Um, so they did, they did have some maps. So what I said before about there weren't any. That was, an but they were just more practical maps that they would need, which isn't anything. They're not traveling across the world, so it makes sense for right. them to only have maps that are like, "Hey, well, this is yeah. this is our town and the town next to us, and like this kind of general area." For that sure. makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. I had, I mean, if if there was anything specific you want to talk about, I had a couple of questions, but they're just kind of like random, off the wall. Nonsense. I had a random questions. off the wall one too. Oh, just like if. Do you watch Pawn Stars? That's what I was going to ask you. Immediately, like, right when this first thing started, I was like, man, do you find Pawn Stars interesting? Because I love Pawn Stars. I, I, I haven't watched it. I'm I don't know. Sorry. Like, I, Well, like, or um, anything. I used to hate on my dad so much. Like, I'm 30 now, but me, like, being a teenager, my dad, like, loved documentaries and loved watching things on the History Channel or, like, the Antiques Roadshow. Oh, yeah, I used to watch that a lot. So, so, but I was like, oh, man, this is so lame. Why do you watch that? And and then right when I turned 25, I started getting into it. And now I love documentaries (laughs) and I love Pawn Stars and I love like old, old artifacts to come in and seeing their actual like monetary value currently now. And, you know, like, like all that. I I just didn't know. Like, I had to ask you the question. Like, do you like any kind of like TV show like that that has to do deal with with uh, antiquities? uh, It would be cool if there was an antiquities roadshow, although that would probably encourage uh, people selling things on the black market. But, um, there is, uh, you know, I, it's, it's actually on YouTube, not on TV, but the, the British museum, a lot of museums will have videos where they're going to, they bring out an artifact, you know, 
and they'll they'll tell you about the whole history of the artifact and that's kind of like that which is is kind of cool but i, I love the, the dramas you know that are set in, in ancient times um love watching the, the old series rome was really good and um anytime they make anything about ancient history i'll, I'll oh the alexander the great movie or whatever do you I'll nitpick it. it do you end up like nitpicking it whenever it comes out yeah i mean <laughs> well, yeah i mean i both love entertainment and i love ancient history so i kind of give it a pass sometimes i'm like well they're kind of playing free and loose with that but it's still good like how can you not like gladiator you know uh <laughs> but there are some i love gladiator yeah, i love I russell crowe love, love that russell crowe and gladiator is so good that movie's amazing. You have to, you have to, I mean, it's a movie. You have to have that semblance of disbelief there, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. to be able to, yeah. it can't, everything can't be. And also they have, to, they, have to, they have to dramatize it too, yeah. just for viewing that way you don't, you know, that way the, the everyday yeah. person who's not interested in the history can still, you know, watch it, you know, yeah. that way it's not so bland, yeah. but yeah. So, that was my question. That was the only, that first popped up into my head, like 10 minutes into the podcast is I was like, I have to ask that question, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. So mine is, uh. If if you could go back in time to any of these places, uh, but the, the, it's catch twenty two because you're stuck. It's a one way. It's a one way ticket. You can take whoever you want with you, but it's a one way ticket. Where would where would you go? Oh man! And when I guess yeah, I should say where. The first and when. thing I think about is like, oh, what if I get sick? You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, where would I go? Um, it, it, a lot of it depends on my mood, but. I almost feel like I, I, I would feel safest uh, going back to like Greece or Rome or something like that, even though I love the culture of the Near East more. I, I just wonder like, well, I don't know if I went back to ancient Babylon, that would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, I like so many of the, of the cultures. Egypt is cool too, but Egypt I don't think would be my number one. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a tough question. Um, I, I just want to visit. I don't want to stay. Yeah, that's yeah. that. No, that's nobody the, wants to stay. That's, that's why I had to once throw that in tech- at the end. I was like, that's the rough part. Like, once, once you have all the medicine and the technology and how easy life is now in comparison, like, no, you wouldn't want to stay. Nobody yeah, go back for stay. a week, cool, but nobody yeah. wants. Yeah. I don't want to live there forever. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool, man. Well, I don't know if you have any lasting thoughts that you'd like to just let us know, but I mean, I know we're... I'm... Or shout out your channel. Or, well, yeah, you know, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out your yeah. channel, all that all that jazz. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Dr. David Miano. Uh, if you want to follow me on YouTube, which is the place to go to get all my content, uh, that is uh, World of Antiquity, it's called, World of Antiquity. Uh, I could use a subscription, so come on over. Um, I guess that's about it. And yeah, we'll definitely put all that in the description below and everything like that. Might have you send Paul one more email with the actual, like, the actual address. link to it. Yeah, the actual address. Oh, so I got can, it. For yeah, YouTube? Oh, you, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, for all YouTube. That. And then cool. I'll put links down for your books on Amazon and stuff like that. Um, I really, pre- really appreciate your time, man. Um, thanks for coming on to Talk Junkies. I had a very wonderful time with you, learning about yeah, history and, and all that good stuff that matters right now, mostly, man. People just need to... I think for me, the biggest thing is actually looking back at history and taking it for what it is, you know, and who knows if the governments back then were just as crazy as they are now. I'm assuming that they were, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, Not everything's a conspiracy theory, Paul. Sometimes <laughs> facts are just facts, you know? Well, I mean, to, to not to say, I mean, I'm sure... I, I, it's maybe, good to look at both sides of things. Maybe for another podcast, I don't know if you can, like, go into, like, government governments back in the time like that, if they had oh, any... Oh, yeah, su- yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's, it, it was just as... Uh, yeah, it was... There's all kinds of stuff going on, you know? <laughs> I love that stuff, though, because all kinds of intrigue and corruption and, yeah, you name it. 
Rock on, man. Well, uh, David, uh, thanks for joining Talk Junkies, man. We look forward to talking to you sometime in the future. Really fun, man. I really enjoyed this one. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you, guys. Take it easy. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. David Miano joining Talk Junkies. Uh, Hopefully you guys like that podcast. Some history going on up in the house of... Of P. Weiss's house, man. I, I mean, I, I actually, I, I found it interesting, even though to me, history is always such a quote unquote boring subject for a lot of people, myself included. I found that interesting because once again, it was more grounded. Like it was more based in reality and a, a logical viewpoint on what could have been. Like even at the beginning with the Anunnaki and all that, it's like a logical viewpoint of how this could happen. Not saying this is what happened. Right. No, I, I completely agree. And I, I need to entertain both ideas as well. And to have no, and that's that's what I was saying, like the middle way, yeah. like like any like you're insane if you say that, oh, man, nothing's corrupt at all. Nothing's you know, everything's exactly what's been told to us. And this is exactly how it's been interpreted and all this, which he didn't even go down that even saying that he wasn't even all the way to that level either. Yeah. Um, but no, like some somewhere in the middle. Yeah. That, but hopefully yeah. you guys enjoy and the best thing you can do for talk junkies is share this video like this video and all that good stuff we're on all the platform major platforms out there right now if you could do one thing right now it would be to look at the like button like it was the great pyramid of egypt and then go inside of it and subscribe to talk <laughs> whoa <laughs> all right all right get on your cell phone and go to egypt and subscribe to talk junkies that would be ultimate also i'd like to say it feels good to be back and doing one of these because i've been for any of our longtime viewers i've been gone for like a minute a minute the, the timing's been weird at the beginning of this year for yeah. sure yeah for people oh, yeah. it's been okay. it is for yeah. sure so yeah we, we're glad to have you back johnny it's always yeah. a pleasure i'll be gone you. again now for like another month and then back be again. back on so yeah. well to all our junkies out there stay fly and ring the bell squirrel fuck <laughs> <laughs>